Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Twin Cities, it's time for Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, this is going to be a good one today. Jennifer Henderson is with us. Jennifer is the founder and president of Henderson Search. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you, John. It's good to be here. Hey, it's a pleasure to have you. Let's talk about you and Henderson Search. How are you serving folks out there? So the focus is on recruiting for professional services roles. So my specialty is really with small and mid-sized businesses that are growing and they just don't have the recruiting help that they need. So they'll bring me in when they need help with roles in marketing, sales, uh, really any area within operations or finance as well. Wow, that, there's a lot there and certainly a lot needed in this kind of environment, this uh, uh, talent-poor environment, it seems, in terms of people uh, being able to attract uh, qualified candidates to their firm. Um, w- let's talk about some of the big-picture trends before we get into how you help and, and, sure. and talk about what th- this looks like. I mean, everybody's heard about the talent shortage uh, out there, but just talk about what you've seen here the last couple of years with the pandemic and kind of coming out of that. Well, it's no surprise that you're hearing a lot about people leaving their jobs. So it's all over the headlines, just in terms of what people are calling the great resignation. Sounds pretty ominous. Yep. Uh, so some people are saying it's really just the great reshuffle, uh, far less ominous. Uh, but Americans are leaving their jobs at record rates. So you look back to some of the statistics from August and 4 million plus people quit their jobs. You put that in perspective, that is a larger population than the city of Los Angeles. So, I mean, it's definitely something that we have not ever seen before. And in professional services, we lost over 700,000 people. Mm. Wow. So why are people quitting their jobs or reshuffling, as you say? Um, Why is that happening? And I know this is a big, broad bus question to apply to 4 million people, but why is that happening now? So I think some of it is out of necessity. I mean, people continue to, of course, get ill with COVID. And so people are leaving to help family members that have been impacted long-term by that. There's pandemic-related challenges related to childcare. Some people have just said, you know, I'm going to take an early retirement. They've they've had a bit of a wake up call, and I think that's probably true for most of us. Where we're looking at what's really important to us. I mean, nobody prior to COVID nineteen had ever lived through something like this. So people are really taking a look at how they think about work, mm. and so they're they're wondering, does my job get me to the next level in my career? Uh, 
Am I appreciated for what I do? Am I respected for what I do? Uh, they're asking whether they're fairly compensated. Mm. So I think most of it is really related to people taking a look in the mirror and saying, is this what I want in my life right now? And, you know, you look at statistics about uh, women and how, how they're compensated compared to their male counterparts. And it's, there's still a disparity. It's about 83% of what men make. Um, so you've seen a lot of women leave the workforce as well. Um, so just last year, 3 million women left the workforce. It's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty incredible statistic. And and what are some of the specific trends that you see among professional services firms and those, those, um, individuals, those professionals in those firms and how they're looking at the world? That's a really great question. I think, I think that for a lot of them, particularly women, uh, they're choosing to leave because they're seeing that they're not as frequently promoted as their male counterparts. So that's a big trend in the industry. Uh, they're looking for remote or hybrid work. Uh, so there, there's a big trend with that. When people had to work from home, they realized what a benefit it is, time saved from being in a commute, uh, the stress of a commute, the stress of going into work. So um, there's a big chunk of the population, about 20% of the population working that says, I'm only going to look at remote work. And and uh, 87% of people would prefer to stay remote at least half the time. Mm. <laughs> so uh, it's, there are so many people I talk to um, in my business who say, if there's not flexibility in the schedule, they won't even consider the job. Wow. So it's, there's, I think, a meme out there among some employers, not all, some, that think people don't want to work. And that's really not it. It's a little more complex than that, right? Right. I mean, there's certainly a chunk of the population that benefited from some of the unemployment benefits that got extended to them. And I can't really, even though that's hard to see, I can't really argue with that if they're they're going to really make more if they're not working. Mm right? So there's a contingent of the, the population that, that fits into that category for sure. But that's not really what this is about in my mind. This is much bigger than that, where uh, employees and candidates in the marketplace are the ones that really have the, the power right now, regardless of your opinion about that. Uh, there's been a big, big shift with supply and demand. Jennifer Henderson is with us, folks, and she is the founder and president of Henderson Search. What I hear you saying is you might as well get used to that <laughs> and and <laughs> and just lean into it and deal with it as opposed to fight it if you're an employer. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you can make the choice, right? Whether whether you're just going to wait it out and see how things pan out. But I love what you said about leaning into it. Mm -hmm. That's 
to me, that's the way to go for the employers that I'm working with who are willing to do that. And they they recognize that the pendulum may swing back at some point, but we don't know when. Uh, and it is not so much the great resignation, but the great reshuffle mm-hmm. that that they will benefit by having worked to accommodate uh, what people are telling them they need in order to feel satisfied in their job. So let's talk to those companies that do want to lean in. How can they differentiate themselves as, as an attractive employer uh, and attract those candidates that they're looking for? So the more you talk with people in this um, industry of recruiting, the more you understand how many people will say, you know, compensation is important to me, but it's frequently not the most important thing. People are looking for a good fit, right? So if you can focus on your culture where you can promote it because you have some really positive things to say about it, that is, that's where the rubber meets the road from my perspective. Um, And you can do that for free, right? So you can do it on your website. Uh, If you've got a blog, you can promote your culture. Maybe it's a video that you take of your employees talking about your business, or maybe it's pictures or videos from fun company events. Uh, Could be a volunteer event that employees did together or a holiday party that uh, was put on. So I think that there's a way to do that to show, hey, this is a fun, really cool place to work. Um, Other things that you can do in that vein is to highlight your employees. So it may be that you're doing uh, testimonials from your employees about why they love to work there, uh, or you're just highlighting them, let's say, on your blog to show some of the great work that they do. So the, the other thing I'd say about that is you see this heavy, heavy shift uh, that's been happening, let's say, over the last 10 years on diversity, equity, inclusion. And so focusing your benefits to be more inclusive is another another way to do that. So that may mean beyond just flexible schedules, it may mean domestic partner benefits or tuition assistance so people can continue to grow with you. Mm. Um, Leave for um, parents who've adopted. Leave that's gender neutral, right? Where it's the mom or the dad or both where they get to take a leave when they have a baby. So um, family building benefits like um, in vitro fertilization. There's so many things that employers can do. Obviously, some of those things are more expensive than others, mm-hmm. right? So it's easy for me to say, but even just choosing a couple of things, some that really don't cost anything, and then there may be an investment as well to make you stand out amongst the crowd. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, talk about well, I guess before I get to that, all the things you're talking about in terms of building culture, this goes way beyond just whether the workplace is remote or in person. I mean, what you're, you're talking about something that goes well beyond that. It's a, and, and I think some of the discussion has been reduced to whether 
uh, we're making people go back to work, quote unquote, or, or whether it's hybrid or what have you. And it's much, much more than that. I think it is. And it is because, as we were talking about earlier, people have had such a radical shift in the way they think. They had time to think during the pandemic. And there, I think a lot of people really shifted what what they thought they could do, what, what they wanted to do. And now they're at a point in their their lives where they say, I'm looking for a place that can treat me the whole person. Uh, mental well-being has been such a focus um, in the last couple of years. Employers that recognize I got to take care of the whole person uh, are going to be light years ahead of ones that don't. Sure. Uh, so Jennifer, let's talk to those companies that are they're changing the way they're doing business and maybe they're uh, offering positions that are hybrid or fully remote. They may even be recruiting in different states now, right? For uh, uh, talent, of course. So um, how for those companies, I'm sure one of their fears is um, how do you find the right candidates in that different kind of world? And then how do you avoid making a bad hire? Right. So I, I work with a lot of different companies that I think they, they struggle with the recruiting and hiring process because they don't have a formal way of going about it. It's sort of shoot from the hip. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation, both in my consulting work, as well as my recruiting work is you've got to get all of the people who are a stakeholder in hiring that person on the same page about the, the few critical things they're looking for. It might be three, four, five things that the candidate must have. Write it down. Don't deviate it. Um, deviate from it. Uh, and it could be the skills, the experience, the culture, the compensation requirements, but saying, here are a handful of things that we say this person must have. And then once you've agreed on that, <clears throat> really creating an interview guide around it. So just a series of questions that you can ask. And I think that's helpful even to the most experienced interviewers, but especially to people who are not regularly interviewing. That's not their job, right? They may not be comfortable or familiar with it. So giving them a guide where they get to choose the questions that are specific to that role and asking each candidate the same sets of questions. Um, so right after the candidate's done interviewing, rate them on those key areas and how good of a fit that you think they are. And, and then all of the key stakeholders getting back together at the end of the process and comparing the candidates, sticking to those three to five things, not, well, I didn't really like the way that person was dressed. Uh, that wasn't one of the, you know, mission critical things the person has to have. So it kind of keeps everybody at least a little bit more objective. Mm. And focused on what's important. Right. So I, I, I think that interview process and having it 
really, really focused helps a lot. And there's so much you can do once you said, these are, you know, the few candidates that we're looking at, like we've winnowed it down to maybe the top two. There's a lot you can do after that as well. But just through the interview process, I think that's huge. So you're a recruiter, you offer recruiting services. What, just in general terms, and I want to get into some of the specifics of what you offer here in a bit, Jennifer, but what, what's, what are some of the pieces of general advice that you would give to companies that are looking to engage a recruiter? So I give this advice to people, no matter what you're looking for, uh, ask for referrals, right? You're, you're generally going to get probably some really good referrals through your network, but then I would also do your own homework to, to really go look at those different firms and interview them. Just like I interview candidates, I expect that prospects would interview me, which they do. Uh, I will tell them these things if they don't ask, but they should be asking me, hey, what's your relevant experience? What does your vetting process look like for candidates? Uh, Tell me about your metrics. How successful are you in completing a search? And and how many people, what percentage of people that you placed two years ago are still in their roles, right? Because it's, it's one thing to get a candidate, but are you getting the right kind of candidate who will stay with a company? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also important because we're representing their brand in the marketplace. So ask hey, what is the messaging that you are going to use when you're talking about my company and make sure that you're comfortable with that messaging? Uh, And then a really important one is how they're going to communicate throughout the search. Is it a formal status meeting? Uh, Is it an email update? How will you know what's happening in your search? And so you get a sense of whether they're making progress or not. Great words of advice from Jennifer Henderson. Uh, Jen is a uh, recruiting expert, search uh, consulting expert uh, with her own firm, Henderson Search. Uh, she's founder and president there. So, uh, Jennifer, let's talk about um, retention. So, you get the right candidate, everything's going great. How do you retain? that person? Well, I could talk about that for about an hour. Um, (laughs) So it's a lot of work. It's hard work to retain your best employees, right? Mm, There's some natural attrition you want to have happen, but it really, everything starts with leadership. So a lot of leaders, I think, are not really ready for their jobs. They're not properly trained. And so if there's a disconnect between the company culture, the values that are you know listed on your website, uh, and how people are treated, you're going to have unhappy employees, many of whom will, will leave. So I think it's really important to invest in leadership training coaching, development for your leaders. Mm -hmm. And 
and then invest in your best employees. So that may look like cross-training or putting them in programs related to their field, uh, things that don't cost anything, like giving them an opportunity to do more challenging work, give them a pathway, right? And then it, it seems so simple. It sounds so simple, but really just having regular one-by-ones with them, one-on-one meetings where you're asking not just about the substance of their work, but about how they're doing personally, professionally. What are they, what are they needing? What obstacles can you remove uh, from their path? Uh, and instead of just doing a review once a year with employees and surprising them with information, talk to them regularly, you know, both hallway chats as well as the more formal sit-downs, right? People people need to know that their leaders uh, are invested in them and that their leaders will walk the walk and talk the talk. Sure. That seems like just common sense advice, right? It is. Yeah. It is. It's just sometimes it's harder to execute because people are focused on getting the business done. Mm-hmm. They're working in the business right. all day long. They, it's easy. It's easy for all of us to mm-hmm. lose sight of that and say, that's not a priority right now. Whereas I would, I would suggest that it's your number one priority, particularly in light of how many people are leaving the, the workforce. So let's talk to candidates out there and uh, also folks that don't think they're candidates. Okay. Folks that are <laughs> folks that are happily employed. Um, yep. and, and let's talk to both groups there and how, first of all, how should they work with a recruiter? Should they work with a recruiter? Um, talk about some of those questions. Great. So it, it's the obvious reason for working with a recruiter is to get a job, but there's a whole bunch of people that are, you know, allegedly happily employed. Some of them are happily employed. Uh, But the the first reason to work with a recruiter is because if you are looking for work, statistics vary, but 70 to 80% of jobs are not posted, right? So you're not going to see them anywhere if you're looking on a job board. Uh, or even looking at an employer's website. So who knows about those jobs? Recruiters do. And recruiters tend to be very well networked and can get into companies that you might not otherwise be able to get into. But even if you're not looking for a job right now, there's lots and lots of reasons that you might consider aligning with a recruiter or set of recruiters. Uh, And I think the, the first reason is because recruiters have intel on your industry, right? So they're talking all day, every day with, with people in the industry. So they can talk to you about the trends that they're seeing, uh, jobs that they see as being on the rise or on the decline. Um, and it, it immediately expands your network, Right. So a lot of recruiters have 
thousands of connections. You look at LinkedIn, uh, they're involved in networking groups. So they just have their ear to the ground because that's our job, right? It's our job to know what's going on. Um, And they can share information even if you know, you feel like, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at all of these, these things when it comes to job searching, uh, but they can give you comp intel. So that is super valuable. Even if you're not looking for the job, you're just looking for a raise, trying to understand what is your value in the marketplace. Recruiters will be able to tell you that. Uh, they can give you referrals for training, for education, resume tips, networking tips, interview tips. Um, you know, if you if you are actually on the hunt for a job, sounds like sage advice. So let's let's talk about the best way to work with a recruiter if there's something active. How, how to give some suggestions and and what's realistic? I mean, you're busy, and so you're working with lots of companies, lots of candidates, and uh, sometimes candidates get, might get frustrated. Talk talk about what some realistic expectations are about how best to work with a recruiter. Right. So recruiters, of course, are dealing with literally hundreds of candidates at any given time where it may be candidates who are actively involved in interviewing for roles that you're working on. But it can also be people who simply reach out and are asking for help. Uh, It's really hard to keep up with everybody. It's not for lack of desire. Um, I love talking with people, uh, but it's very difficult just from a time constraint, you know, so that really is just a capacity issue. But my number one piece of advice is don't wait to reach out. And really just, you got a question, you want a status update, reach out right away and keep in touch. I think that uh, there's a way to do that where it's it's not a daily ping, but it's a periodic ping to see if that if there's anything that's changed mm-hmm. in terms of being able to help them. Makes sense. Now let's um, let's pull out your crystal ball here, <laughs> uh, Jennifer, and talk about what you see over the next couple of years for employers. Um, are we going to see how how is this environment going to morph yet again? Well, I'd love to have a crystal ball, John, uh, but I think we really have experienced a fundamental shift in how people view their work and how they're looking at their professional goals, what they want out of a position, a career path. So with that in mind, companies that are focusing on culture and employee well-being, they're going to come out ahead of companies that aren't. They'll just have more success in in recruiting and, and frankly, on retention. You'll also probably see, because I'm seeing it now, but I think it'll happen more, is more focus on skills versus somebody's experience. Mm. So if you've got the chops to do the job, even though you haven't done it before, 
uh, that is going to have to be something that uh, people take a look at when hiring because there's such a shortage of candidates. Um, and the candidates that are out there are being recruited like I've never seen before. I've been in the industry for 23 years. I've never seen anything like it. So, um, and there'll be more time spent by employers on recruiting strategy. And maybe it's, uh, I'm excited about this prospect that there'll be more of a focus on underserved groups like veterans, uh, parents returning to work after raising kids, people with disability, people on work release or um, officially out of prison, um, older workers, maybe older workers will return uh, to, to the bench. So I think that there's, there's a lot that could be happening that we're starting to see an inkling of. Um, and there could also be a boomerang effect where people leave, they think for greener pastures, or they they leave and think that they're out of the workforce for some period of time, and they they come back to their old employer. So keep in touch with those people, right? That I think that will really help. But pendulum always swings back and forth. So at some point, it'll be uh, the other direction, and it's just hard to tell when that will be. For sure. Now, uh, Jennifer, I want to talk to you about your services specifically. Let's get that out there for folks that have heard uh, your comments and think, hey, I want to be in touch with uh, Henderson Search. What Talk about the best way to, to engage with you and work with you. Is that uh, just when I have a candidate uh, search that I need, a position open that I need to fill? Uh, do I need to have a regular relationship with you? Talk about the best way as a, as for my company, professional services firm to work with you. Right. It's, it's pretty straightforward. So I, I sometimes have companies that reach out to me just because they're looking for some advice, right? They, they maybe aren't ready to use a recruiter or they're not sure. And they're trying to suss that out a lot of conversations that I have are with people who are in that position. And I'm happy to talk with them because it's the whole pay it forward mentality. It, mm. it may not be them, but down the road, they may, they rem maybe remember that um, I helped. Uh, but for people who think they may be ready to engage, I would just encourage them to, to call or email me. And I usually, although I do national search, uh, if people are local in the Minneapolis market, I go visit with them and learn a little bit more about whether we're a good fit for each other. Sometimes I may not be the right fit, and I'll tell I'll tell uh, clients that that's the case. Uh, but most of the time, I feel like regardless of the type of professional role they're looking for, it's more about the process. And there's no magic in the process. It's more about uh, the roll up your sleeves, old fashioned work ethic. <clears throat> mm. Got so. it. Got it. Now it, you alluded to something I was going to get to, which is you're here in the twin cities area. You work with a lot of firms that are in this area. Um, do you work with firms that are outside of this area? 
Yes, I do. So interestingly enough, I had a lot of work uh, in the past from the West Coast. (laughs) Right now, a lot of the work is Minneapolis-based, but uh, I've placed all over the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, it it really doesn't matter where the position is because I can recruit anywhere. Terrific. Jennifer Henderson, folks, she is with uh, Henderson Search. Uh, wow. Uh, Jen, this has been great. What a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, but I want to get to the most important question, which is folks that have heard something that makes them want to get in touch. Um, how can they do that? Well, they can uh, go to my website. It's hendersonsearchllc.com. My contact information is on there, so they can email or call or text, whatever is, is easiest. Jennifer Henderson, folks, founder and president of Henderson Search. What great work you're doing. It's su- such a pleasure to have you on the show, Jen. Thank you so much. John, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, folks, uh, just a quick reminder that Minneapolis St. Paul Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. You can just use that term to search for the show. We would love it if you're not a subscriber. Please subscribe and share the show. Pass it on. It's not about me or Business Radio X. It's about our great guests, great guests like Jen Henderson who do great work, and they uh, deserve to be found. So if you could help us by sharing the show, we would greatly appreciate that. So for my guest, Jennifer Henderson, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio.